Hey, hey, everybody, you're listening to the Over My Dad podcast produced by Launchpad 516 Studios with the do-gooder dads, me, George Andriopoulos. And me, Dave Thompson. We got periodic guests, great conversations, and of course, some dad jokes here and there. Dads and non-dads, welcome to our movement towards nothing in particular. This is not a test. Repeat, this is not a test. Stay tuned for further instructions. Three, two, one! Booyah! I love you, Daddy. Hey, hey, everybody. Hi. I beat you. I beat you. I beat you. (laughs) Oh, whatever. See you next week. What's up, Davy boy? Uh, everything. Everything. What's up with you? Everything's good, my man. Cool. Back. Back for another Back. week. Over my dead podcast. Welcome, folks. That's right. Sorry. I'm trying to drink a gallon of water a day. Um, it's getting easier, but I might have to take three breaks while we're recording today. <laughs> Pee breaks? That's okay. Yeah. I'm trying to drink a gallon of coffee a day, if that's... I've similar been, that's that I've, I've, that's weak right well, welcome yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> welcome <laughs> oh man so what's going on in your world man everything no i just um it, you know I, I i feel like we're coming out of this really chaotic winter uh in the in the you know still on my fitness tip in the past couple of weeks though my wife did get covid um mm. so so we had a challenge because on literally on the same exact morning she was like I don't feel so good. I was at the gym throwing my neck out. Um and so she had covid while I had a you know something audibly wrong with my neck where I heard an actual crunch at the gym. <laughs> and, and uh so I was playing defense keeping the kid away from my beautiful compromise mother and uh, and Priscilla to make sure that no one was that we didn't have a little super spreader event at the house, uh, which was which was it was difficult. But we're through it, and I'm feeling good, and I'm I'm motivated to be here. George, how are you? I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm kind of we're we're going through very similar ish things, I guess. We so we we had that a couple of weeks ago as well. We had uh, my daughter joanna was exposed at daycare for like the umpteenth time which was yeah. super annoying me and i'm uh, you know I, and you know me man i'm i'm uh i'm, I'm pro mask and, and i always do the right thing and and but gosh it it really screws up <laughs> your life <laughs> when there's exposure you know because she we're all vaccinated in the house aside from the baby obviously right um but when there's an exposure for her because she's not vaccinated and she's too young to wear a mask, it's still a 10-day quarantine for her. Right. On top of the fact that – don't even get me started on this, but on top of the fact that, like, we still had to pay half-time at daycare, um, which is – yeah, the whole thing is, like, when, sure. when she's not in daycare because she's sick or whatever, you have to – you're responsible for – half because you have to commit to you know a schedule with them of course but we were kind of like um you she was exposed at your school like how is this our right, but, right problem? But you, every every single daycare and every child care facility would be out of business if it was that's the problem with all this stuff it's like we're all victims in this on every single from every single angle no matter what it's like what are they what are they gonna do yeah not make money anymore because every every single kid would be gone you no know? no like totally just... and and in the end I, I knew that it was my issue i was just kind of like having a hard time justifying it in my I head because it's it's like not fair but it's also not fair for them you know because it wasn't necessarily their fault either so it's like you know it's just a catch-22 but yeah it was it's the whole thing of like we're just coming off the holidays we had um my son had covid uh right after two days after he got his first shot um, his first injection, uh, he got COVID, uh, not related. Obviously he, he had caught it a few days before and we yeah. weren't sure, but, um, so she was, she was quarantined there. He was obviously quarantined. We come back from the holidays. She was sick and then comes back. 
Oh, she was quarantined because of him still, and then she comes back, and then she gets quarantined again. It was like, we need to work. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah. And, it's just, and you know, it, I feel the same way as you about precautions and whatever, but it's also like, how careful can you be, and how careful should you be, and how much life should you live? You know what I mean? And what's so funny about this is like, I've been, you know, like I've said, I've been back at the gym. I get to keep lots of distance. I go at like 4.30 in the morning. I, I, I'm not concerned at all about my exposure there. And it's been a really long time since my wife has done some, done something for herself. She went to one hot yoga class. One. Yeah. And done. It, but it might not have been there. You know, like it might. She also went to the dentist. You know what I mean? We can't stop going to the dentist. Yeah. So it, it's just it's just uh unprecedented times and it it does make me ask my you know i think i think guilt is something that i've always felt about doing things for myself or whatever but this is bigger than that and it's about my family and whatever it's like how much should you do should you get on a plane to go on a family vacation should you you know should you be worrying about like extra fitness activities should i go to a rock climbing gym like i well Problem. You know, you know? I, I know I know we were going to get into this, but let's let's get into it now, right? Let's make an executive decision and move into this conversation now. One of our things we planned to do today was talk about, I guess, moving forward as as dads, right, or as as yeah. uh, as families uh, during the pandemic and and everything that we've we've gone through. Um, you know, I know for for us, we're, we're expecting. Uh, you know, we got three more months till. Not me own. and George. George and I are expecting <laughs> more parentheses, more listeners, parent, close parentheses. No, my wife and I are expecting uh, 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 another baby girl coming in May, mm-hmm. May 11th, I think. Uh, we hope if I win the pool. But yeah, I mean, that was a decision. That was a big decision for us to make because even our first daughter came during the pandemic um, and it was weird and, and so many things were different. Then, you know, I have two older kids from previous marriage, and um, I remember going through every single motion with those kids, like every doctor's appointment. And, um, you know, and it was like with Joanna when she when she was born or when when we were expecting her, like I had to sit out in the car during doctor's visits. FaceTime ultrasounds and all that. FaceTime ultrasounds. And and it's like scary. It's so interesting because they say that like, I don't, I don't know exactly the statistic, but like for the first time, the population is not increasing. It's like staying the same or something like that, but um, not in the Andro- not in the Andropolis world. It's it's you know those trajectories are different trajectories. <laughs> and yeah. I, I I I think that you know I I was saying to you you know you um, I'm still my head's still spinning from Joanna, your infant A, and now you're gonna have infant B. Yeah. Um, and and I have a bunch of other friends, a bunch of colleagues, really close colleagues that are all having um, babies right now. And I think that it's so beautiful and I'm jealous and I, I, you know, have that whole fatherly. I'm just melting for them. But and, and, and I'm thinking about it and I'm just thinking about do I want to sign up for that right now? And it's it's an anxiety inducing thing, you know, to think about we were just talking about how much do we do with our family, but also like. How how big of a family can we have? And if it was up to me, I'd have a million kids. But I want to be able to provide the life that that they deserve, that each yeah. of them deserve. You know what I mean? So it's it's a it's a thing to think about. And I I do I do look at you, and I'm so excited for you. And I'm taking a page out of your book because I think that probably no matter what, I think that you should do what you're going to do. That's that's where I'm leaning right now this minute. Do what yeah. you were gonna do anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. Um, opt- I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic about just moving forward with life. I'm trying to be careful still, obviously, and and cautious, and not just for us, but for for other people, you know, because you, you really have to consider other people in this kind of situation. Um, but it's it's tough, man. It, it, it's only it, it's also tough. For selfish reasons, you know, like I think now we got lucky with Joanna. Um, we were during the time period, and I don't know how other states are at the moment, but I remember in New York State um, during the beginning of our pregnancy with Joanna, spouses were not allowed in the delivery room. And we were freaking out because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be there. 
one way or another. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna get in there. Um, and right. and they had passed some kind of bill in New York State saying that that you know it was illegal to keep them out. And uh, all right, so no problem. But you never know what's gonna happen. You know, I mean, things seem to be on the rise now again uh, in terms of. Um, safety measures being sort of relaxed mm-hmm. and, and numbers going down, which is a good thing. Um, but you never know, man. Like, I, I can't even imagine not being there for the birth of my kid, you know, not not being able to to witness it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So, so for selfish reasons, like, you go, all right, should I pause now? Should I wait? Should I wait till everything's back to normal? But, you know, we've talked about this before. I don't think anything's going back to normal. I don't think normal is a right. thing anymore. And it's not even just, it's not even, you know, when we when people say, Oh, these days, like how things are right now, that's not even it's easy to just default to a COVID conversation, but it's not even just about COVID. I mean, the world has been there's other things going on in the world that are both negative and positive, both really, really exciting and also extremely concerning, like um, Social Security is running out. You know what I mean? Like where are all these where are millennials going to retire to? Like these questions about what the world is going to look like when my kids are grandparents is a really big like we're we're all going to be getting into our little space pods at night and stuff i don't know what's gonna what it's gonna be like like it's just a kind i know this is like maybe overly deep and dramatic but it's just uh, you know parenting and fatherhood and bringing humans into the world makes you think about these things when i i don't usually do that you know what i mean yeah yeah no, for sure. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I had uh, I had read this article. Let me see if I could pull it up here. I read this article on Fatherly. Yes, I do read Fatherly, not just because of this podcast. I've been reading it for years. Um, <laughs> it's called The Science of Dad and the Father Effect. Uh, Joshua Krish was the author on this. It's actually a pretty cool article that sort of incorporates numbers and data into fatherhood and the role uh that the role of father plays in the outcome of their their children's lives. And it was it was pretty cool, man. It's like uh, the fact I think the fact that we're considering all these things and trying to make informed decisions based on you know the temperature out there right now and and what's going on in the world. I think maybe puts us in the realm of decent fathers, but this kind <laughs> of no, this kind of shows the data behind just being there and being supportive as a dad. The dada. The dada. The dada. The dada of the father effect. Um, yeah, so they, they interviewed uh, this PhD, Paul Amato, uh, who said when fathers are actively involved with their children, children do better. Um, and it goes all the way from, uh, let's see here. Okay, so this is these are cool numbers. So two year olds. So it so it shows here uh, what is a good father to an infant and a toddler, right? And it basically just says that a study uh, back in 1991, but I think there were more recent ones on here, found that infants attained higher cognitive scores at age one if their fathers were involved in their lives when they were one month old. Uh, preterm mm-hmm. infants similarly scored higher at 36 months if their dads played an active role from birth. So basically it's showing uh, two-year-olds with supportive fathers score higher in cognition. Uh, so it shows here. So mental development is something called a MIDI score. Do you know what that is? I know you're. No, you're but you, I, I, I've, heard, I've, heard of, I've heard of it. But you know what's interesting about this to play devil's advocate? Like, yeah. It's kind of like that whole thing, Freakonomics from the early 2000s. It's like you could actually look at that data and say – well, it might be some additional reason that that's true, and it might be socioeconomic reasons. Like poor, like traditionally, people with less money and less resources stay together less, right? So it could be people from lower income areas. You know what I mean? Like there, there's other factors that could factor into it. Not to say that I don't think that people should have a father in their life. I absolutely do, but I, I think that studies like that are really tricky because you could be looking at the wrong thing. You know? What no, I mean? you're like, totally freaking, right. Cause it, it's the, like a freak freakonomics. I remember when they were on the Colbert show, the authors of that. And it was like people named Steven with a pH <laughs> live longer, live longer than Stevens with a V. But then if you look at the socioeconomic status of Stevens with a pH, they have more money. 
like weird stuff like that right yeah. i don't yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just a funny just no a but funny, that, like, it's kind of it's it's a great way to look at it because this uh, they're showing a graph in this article and i'll post a link in the show notes here two-year-olds mm-hmm. with supportive father score higher in cognition so they're showing something called a midi score um and the range is between 80 and 95 right in this article so both supportive parents score uh, the kids score a 95 in cognition supportive mother uh is like a looks like a 92 supportive father only uh it's like an 87 and then neither supportive it's like an 82 the score oh wow so yeah it's and and this isn't you know we're not trying to center this around the patriarchy or whatever but like dave said like there's so many other factors that go into this i just think it's like it's interesting when they do studies like this to kind of show i don't know i know the for me, the importance of being a dad and and yeah. what it brings into people's lives. It's funny. We were doing a, a, a training here with a client um, just last week. Uh, one specific person that um, trying to do some, you know, not leadership, but like a leadership kind of like let's get you to the next level training, like one-on-one mm-hmm. customized like training. Um and in the prep for this, um, I was told by uh, uh, the people at the company that this person did not have guidance from a man uh, growing up, right? Because we, we do like to sort of tie things to a, a personal level, to a degree, right? To kind right. of get where the person's coming from. And yeah, this person did not have the influence of a father um, growing up and that I should, and that he's looking for um, education on how to be a man, how to, you know, how, how, you know what I'm trying to say, how, how to be yeah. a better man and, and, um, get that kind of guidance or whatever. So I sort of took that approach, um, to kind of say like, Hey, you know, I know you didn't have this growing up, but you also have a son and I know that you want what's best for your son and you want to teach him, uh, how to be a quote unquote man. Um, you know, let's start with these tenets. Let's start with showing up and being responsible and being accountable and, you know, simple kind of things. Um, and it worked. It was it, it was kind of cool how like how much that engaged him. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like how uh, people kids of parents who smoke cigarettes go one way or the, another. My parents smoke cigarettes. So, of course, I smoke cigarettes or I would never touch a cigarette because my parents smoke cigarettes. Right. <laughs> I'm the second right. one. So like it, it it's like um it, it, it's like it follows that you know i i really like this this quote um be the be the person that you needed when you were a kid so like i really didn't have a strong father figure but i kind of model what i want to be like as a as an adult man not just a father but as like a man and as a professional and whatever after like what i wish i would have had or what i what i see in other people just because it wasn't right in front of me doesn't mean i can't take from that take influence from places and whatever um and and i think that that's that's been a process for me but i think that it's important to model behavior and to take what to to recognize what you need and to put yourself in the shoes of the receiver of that stuff and and give it to them the way that you need it you know what i mean yeah. um and, and and so i i think that's really interesting i think um Wow, you got me think. I'm like having flashbacks. In fact, the only thing I ever won in my life before a couple recent things is this this Pinewood Derby race in Boy Scouts when I was I'm holding up my Pinewood Derby car uh, from Boy Scouts when I was a kid. My dad was never really engaged with me. But here's what's funny about Pinewood Derby cars. It's this race where you race down a hill with this little car that you carve. But my dad was a, a money guy and a numbers guy and he thought well so it's about the heaviest car right so he just didn't do anything to the car and didn't carve it at all and in fact he he duct taped weights to the bottom of it um so it was like 0.1 milligram below the maximum amount of weight that you could put uh on the pinewood derby track and we won so i have this here because he wasn't always there for me but like this was kind of a cool like yeah go get him kind of story <laughs> that's cool man that's really cool it's uh, uh you know what you were saying before about trying to be the dad uh that you sort of wanted um yeah, when yeah. you were growing up i 
it's funny. I see we all have our stuff, man, right? I know that with me, with all the other dads that I know that I'm friends with, um, and parents in general, you kind of tell these stories of like, oh, what it was like growing up for me and what I'm trying to change and uh, whatever. And it, it's funny with age came mm-hmm. like a clarity with that. Like I know in my 30s as a newer dad, it, it was more of this contrived like I'm trying. I'm trying so hard to be this specific like play a play a part kind of yeah you're like playing a part and i don't know if it was just age or it's just like as time goes by it just kind of became organic and natural but when it kind of shifted to like from i'm trying to be to i am um everything just became a lot more comfortable you know and you kind of see that Mm -hmm. in people like when they're like playing that role and and not that that's a bad thing playing playing the role as long as the end goal is to become that thing. Um, I think that's a good thing, you know, because you're actively trying. You're you're trying to be good. You're trying to be better. Um, but there's that there is that moment where it just kind of clicks in and it just becomes you, and it becomes like the norm for your family dynamic. And and you're that person. You're that dad. You're that parent. And uh, mm-hmm. you know your your kids see that over time. They they sort of. They pay attention a lot more than you'd think. I mean, even think back to the stuff you paid attention to as a kid, you know, and, yeah. and like you're hyper aware of like exactly what you went through as a kid and your experiences and how the how that has like molded you now. So I don't know. I think the whole thing is just super interesting. But kids need a dad. Kids need a mom. Kids Kids just need to be supported. That's all. For sure. For sure. Yeah. It doesn't always have to look like the cleaver family or something but i think support systems are really important and broad support systems too like yeah. like more than i think i think overall more than one person in someone's life that's an influential figure raising them is is really important that could be a grandfather a grandma whatever you know what i mean but um whatever it yeah. takes whatever it takes to to, to takes, make them takes, successful takes the, vill- takes, takes the village yeah takes the village not trying to set like a world record for being the best dad here but i'm trying Oh my goodness! Segway. Uh, we, we need a little. We, I'm gonna make us a little. A little. Now that's a good segue. Like uh, some sort of jingle. Um, but I, I did. I did let George know that I, I saw an article that I wanted to just go over because George, George is a, he's a busy guy, and so am I. We do a lot of stuff, um, and and sometimes you know we 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 get a little too busy or whatever, and we we're not quite making world records but we're doing things every day um and this this was inspiring to me uh just to remember that there's 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 people who are way busier than us dads in fact um so i saw this npr thing uh david rush of ohio in 2021 um, i'm sorry of idaho the potato state um he set a guinness world record every single week of 2021 what did you do every single week of 2021 at listeners at home? Come on. <laughs> try to It would be interesting to to write that would be a cool exercise to write down like your biggest accomplishment of the week um every week. That might be something I want to do. But uh would it look like this? Would it look like this? Jan we, first week of January, fastest time to wrap a person with wrapping paper in a team of 2. Anyone else accomplish something like that? first week of january straight out the gate come on um it, it's it's funny because he obviously picked the really low-hanging fruit here <laughs> yeah really low-hanging fruit well well i think so he's like some sort of a motivational speaker and he uses juggling so he already had one skill so some of them are pretty impressive like most consecutive axe juggling catches um <laughs> most marshmallows caught by mouth in one minute but some of these are such a stretch it's like you could make this up and just call guinness book of world records and be like i've i held a big pen in my hand and clicked it the most in 30 seconds on a tuesday like if you could just contrive a certain situation it seems like you could be in there for anything maybe that could be a goal for this show Um, we should totally do that yeah, I don't think it costs anything. If it does, it's a nominal fee. Wait, what's we the should, we should, what's the process for like verifying? You know what it is? This is the fee. 
you can you can nom I think I've looked into this for some reason. You can nominate yourself or whatever and then they get back to you and then in order to like fully verify it, you need a Guinness representative in the room with you when it happens, I believe. Um so I don't know. Yeah, Maybe but let's play remote. devil's advocate for a second. This this job, the Guinness verifier, right? What what about the people that don't make it? So, like, are you telling me this person is in the room or, you know, let's be honest, probably virtually now, right? Um, mm-hmm. Are you telling me this person is in the room for the failures as well? Because for every record there is out there, there's got to be 100 people that tried it and failed it or more. But I'm saying 100 in terms of the people that actually contacted Guinness and said, okay, going to need a verifier on uh, February 24th oh, okay. at 10 a.m. Okay, so I have this thing Google that I use to find out data like this, <laughs> and I just I just brought up how to set uh, or break a world record, and yeah, the first couple steps are like practice, 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 explore the database, make sure you're not like doing double work or anything, and then carry out your official world record attempt, um, decide on a date, time, and location, make sure you have the logistics planned out, necessary equipment, etc. Uh, arrange the presence of the independent witnesses and any other specialists required. Uh, you must make sure a photographer and videographer are there to document your attempt. Please be sure to check the current record you need to beat in case it's broken, then attempt the record and have fun. And then the last step is submit your evidence, cover letter, and all other required documents. Um, and more than 50% of submissions are rejected because the evidence is insufficient. Uh, once you are confident with the, the submission, upload your evidence online and await the result. And our records management team will review each application individually, and the process will take up to 12 weeks. Um, I doesn't sound costly. I think we should pick pick a target and go for it. Yeah, let's most do this. Da- most, most dad jokes in a single hour. Where's the database? Well, wait, on this? why don't we just beat? Why don't we just take one of this guy's records and beat him? Um, not most marshmallows caught by mouth in one minute. I'm good on that. Most <laughs> toilet on. paper rolls balanced on head. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. I'm searching podcast. Oh, podcast world records. <laughs> Longest running movie podcast, most downloaded. Po- well, we're not that one. <laughs> that one is definitely well, not that's happening. A great, that's a great. That's a great. That's a great goal. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> let's set. So that's a goal, official goal for Over My Dead podcast. Uh, largest audience for a virtual podcast conference. Ooh, so that's a that's a thing. We need to talk about that off air. Um, that's I want to do a live one day. We need to do this. As a live podcast one day. That's actually already in the works for the launch cast. We are close to booking a date and having a live show, uh, which will be so, so cool when it happens. But, yeah, we should totally do this. And we should invite some of our friends like Key Lewis and uh, do a whole show. That would be awesome. All right, let's do that. Yeah, all right. So, so by the way, for you guys out there uh, that would like to contribute, if you have an idea for a Guinness World Record that we can beat, contact us. Hit us up on the DMs. Uh, all those links are in the show notes. Or leave us a message on our hotline, which nobody calls. We've had one call on that. Our friend Dave Chemetsky <laughs> called <laughs> one time. Um, all right, cool. This is John and Mark Cronin from John's Crazy Socks. And we're interrupting to say we hope you're enjoying this episode. But please make sure to check out our show, The Spreading Happiness Podcast, another great show produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes are available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Join us on our new podcast as we continue our mission, Spreading Happiness. Thank you, folks. You're listening to the Do-Gooder Dads, George Andriopoulos and Dave Thompson on the Over My Dad podcast. One thing I wanted to, uh, to talk about today before we move on. Um, 
So hobbies, right? I, I've been you, you know about my whole wine thing, right? Yeah, that of I course. Do. Yeah, so we're he like makes prison. He learned George learned in prison in the nineties how to make <laughs> wine out of uh, orange juice, out of like concentrated orange juice and uh, floor cleaner. <laughs> no, dude, we're going to the next level. We're going to the next level on this. I'll send you. I'll text you pictures later. Um, we kind of redid our first floor layout a, a little bit in our house. We, uh, you ever, you guys moved recently, so you you kind of get this. You move from an apartment to a house, so it's probably a, a different dynamic. But um, in our living room, in our old house, it was like you know, years of just redoing it and redoing it until it's like perfect for that house, right? And then when we moved, all of our furniture was, it was fine. We, you know, you try to replicate the same living room, but the furniture doesn't fit, you know, the same way as it did before, Mm -hmm. different shaped room or whatever. So anyway, we finally got like new furniture in our living room and redid the layout or whatever. And it's like perfect now for us, you know? Um, But anyway, we had our little wine room upstairs between the dining room and and the uh and the living room which we kind of reset and for those that don't know i make wine at home that's my my hobby now for the last two years which has been super fun um but i did like these like floor to ceiling racks on one wall so it's like really really cool looking you know and our goal this year at home was um i had made a few batches the first year we did this and it kind of got me through for like a year and a half. Um, but I gave away a lot of it. And so we're at the point now where we only have like a couple of bottles left of our own wine. And mm-hmm. we want to build up the reserves this year. So the goal this year was from like December, this past December through the rest of this year, we are always going to have batches brewing, like constantly, you know, wow. just constantly making wine. So um, we just bottled over the weekend our second batch. Uh, our third batch is going to be this weekend. And uh, we're going to keep going, but we, we're trying to get, like, fancy with this now. So we're actually – the next batch we're making is sake. We're actually going to make sake. So I've been, like, researching this, and I'm, like, super excited to to do well, it. Some, so- of the, some of those may be easier, you know? Like, like uh, my, my cousin is a brewer, a beer brewer. He was going to brew us a beer for our wedding in 2015, and then – He's in Florida and he realized getting the beer, getting a keg of beer to New York would be like really expensive and complicated. So he ended up making us a mead instead, a honey wine. Uh huh. And, and it tasted like the fanciest cough medicine I've ever had. Um, but it was way more, it was way more doable, packed a bigger punch, took less time and took up less room in his luggage. So he made us these amazing custom bottles of, um, forget what it's called but we have the empty bottles still as a little souvenir but you know he had to explain to priscilla's uh, sicilian family what the hell a, what a meat is they're like a meat like what is that eh, eh. um but it was cool so yeah sake what else could you do you could do all sorts of stuff well you I can you do, do there there are different processes for all this so beer is pretty simple to do it's a different um set of equipment sort of than yeah, of course. than wine. No, yeah, I'm not saying it's the same for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually beer and sake are more along the same lines uh wow. than, than wine is. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to make um uh it's called well in Greek it's called raki. Uh it's it's basically Greek moonshine. So nice. we're going to make that which is a whole again a whole other set of equipment. My goal is eventually like we're going to eventually do like an extension on our house. And once that happens, we're going to build an actual cellar in the basement for all this stuff. Um, Amazing. My goal, honestly, right. Talk about family goals is um, in retirement. I want to own a vineyard. Like that's what I want to do. I want to go out East on Long Island. We'll, we'll at some point in the next five to 10 years, you know, um, do like some kind of summer house thing. Um, yeah, and I want to buy a house that's got a vineyard on it. And I, I learned that there's a big difference between a vineyard and a winery. So, will you make wine? Is a vineyard is where you go grow grapes, and a winery is where you make wine. And then I guess there's both, but I guess yeah. that would be called a vineyard and winery. Well, there's will a whole thing behind it because right now we're so last year, you know, or two years ago, after our first few batches, uh, my wife was like. Hey, maybe we should do this because I, I put, you know me, man, I, I put 150% into it when I do it. I'll, I'll actually show you 
here. Uh, you guys will be able to see it on the video, but um, right. So this is yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it's awesome. Right, that's our purple rain. Re really, really nice packaging. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then this, these are the new ones. So this is a Bordeaux that we just bottled over the weekend. Wow. This is a Pinot Noir Shiraz label. And then uh, this is the Riesling that's being bottled uh, this coming I weekend. I don't care how it tastes. I'm buying it. <laughs> it looks great. But no, I put so much effort into the the branding of it and, and the packaging. I just wanted it to look really nice. And my wife was like, we should totally do this as like a side business. So we actually looked into the whole home farm license and everything and uh, we're, we'll probably wind up pull, pulling the trigger on it this year to be able to make it in home uh and and sell but once you go to like a vineyard there's all kinds of like farm licenses and whatever Oh, for sure yeah so we'll, we'll definitely be producing on there but i you know to what level i don't know i mean for me if it's like retirement or just hobby stuff like i don't care if i'm just producing it for us and giving it away you know but I think there's a, there's a business there at some point. We'll see, but it's Amazing. it's super relaxing, Amazing. man. It's super relaxing. A nice, a, nice, it's like, a nice thing to do with your partner as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a drink nice it is very thing. fun. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're into it, yeah, yeah. What what are you guys doing for? Are you guys doing? Are you Valentine's Day people? Are you gonna do a Valentine's Day? Um, day? we don't really go big ever. It's you know we'll we'll probably do something quiet with uh, with the babes. We'll see. We'll see. Awesome. We, we don't we don't really do anything huge the I mean, day, isn't that the day that's the shared day before with super bowl right well not every year but yeah the, the uh sunday is the super bowl and uh and it's monday, and monday right? is, is valentine's day yeah so i'm actually um about my my buddies are in a don't play the don't play the the clip I won't. my buddies are in this band <laughs> it's time for dave relives his past uh my i Ah, he said he wouldn't do <laughs> it's it. Time for Dave relives his past. My my buddies are in this this band, you know, like Warp Tour. They're like uh they they have like the biggest mohawks you've ever seen. They only they literally only wear them on stage. They're actually like charcuterie board and wine type people now. Uh -huh. My my one of my best friends, he owns a one of the hottest restaurants in Montauk right now and he owns a place on in the East Village uh, o o oyster bars. Um but they haven't toured since before COVID. Everyone's really excited for them. And uh, they're not coming to Nashville, but they're coming to Atlanta, Georgia, and to Cincinnati, uh, which are both four and a half hours away. So then I saw Cincinnati was, uh, they're, they're going through Cincinnati on February 13th. And I was like, oh, that would be a cute Valentine's Day thing to go and, and you know, mask up and go and see our friend's band, which Priscilla loves. And then we find out that Cincinnati, it, that February, February 13th is Super Bowl Sunday. And Cincinnati is in the Super Bowl, which I, I don't really follow sports, so I don't know. But that's going to be an absolute chaotic experience oh, totally. to go to go with the, playing at Legends Bar and Grill, Legends Sports Bar or something like that on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> and we're not your football and types. So it's going to be that's going to be a, an experience. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's going to be great. <laughs> I, I, are you are you are you a football guy? I am. Oh, okay. I, I I think it's really cool, but I never had the attention span to follow the rules or anything. I always watch the Super Bowl, but I pay more attention, obviously, during the halftime show than I do to the actual event. I I just do not have the attention span. Nothing worse. Nothing is worse for me than um than baseball or golf, like because they're so slow moving. Football is exciting to see the guys run fast and tackle each other, each other and stuff, but I cannot follow it. I'm a, um, I, I'm a. I'm a weird sports fan, so I'm a huge sports fan. Um, basketball first, then football, um, and then other sports. Baseball, That's not right. huge for me, but follow it. But I'm kind of – I'm not fair weather, but I'm like depending on what's going on in my life, That's that'll determine if I'm watching games that season. So I've followed football all season. I follow my Jets and know what's going on and play fantasy football but like i've barely watched any games all season just because sundays have been crazy for me this year but yeah go ahead yeah i mean in 2022 it's more like why not just watch the highlight reel you know what i mean it's yeah. more like following the news it's like but there's a whole really... dynamic of watching there's a the culture game to and it. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. going through it i will say that i have been uh in in the last few weeks like adamantly watching um and it's been some of the best football i've seen in 
years. There was a couple of weekends that were like when Cincinnati uh, beat the Chiefs. I mean, like, yeah, it, it's been actually an incredible playoff year of football, more so than than other years. But um, well, yeah, more but Super Bowl's coming. More importantly, uh, the halftime show is on point this year. I don't know if they're going to have any surprises, oh, but can't wait. Confer- con- confirmed is Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, that yeah. is going to be an awesome show. Yeah. An yeah. awesome show. I wonder if it's going to be newsmaking. It'll be newsmaking in itself, but I wonder if like anything really interesting is going to happen because that is such a an exciting and important group of people um, with such a people are saying it's like a 90s throwback thing. But I mean, from Dre all the way to Kendrick, it's like a it's hip hop for the last 30 years. Hip hop history. Yeah, it's amazing. So that's going to be really exciting. I'm definitely going to tune in for that Um, while backstage with my friends at (laughs) at a much more uh, loud event. But um, what's it called? (laughs) I I I'm a little younger than you, and I'm also not a a uh, sports guy. But I was wondering if you could answer me a couple of Super Bowl halftime trivia questions. You down? Yeah, I, th- I think I could do something. All right, let's 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 do a, a rapid fire round. All right, which of the following artists was the first to perform the first to perform in the halftime show in two different years? Who performed twice? Uh, was it? Nobody ever performed twice. James Brown, Gloria Estefan, or Phil Collins? I'm going to say Gloria Estefan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. 90, 92 and 99. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, which was the first artist to headline a Super Bowl halftime show as a solo act? This is surprising to me because... You know, I, I guess it was only bands before that. So, which was the first artist to headline Super Bowl halftime show as a solo act? Was it Michael Jackson, Sting, Diana Ross, or Tony Braxton? <sighs> Michael Jackson, Sting, Diana Ross, or Tony, Tony Braxton. Braxton. So, I'm going to say it's either Michael Jackson or Diana Ross. I'll say Michael Jackson. Ding! 93 amazing yeah um and there were 3500 local la children present at the stage as he sang i bet there were wow <laughs> um <laughs> all right question moving on moving which on of fo- which which of the which of the fo- yeah i get bonus i get bonus points for that one which of the following singers has never performed in a super bowl halftime show which of the following singers never performed was it I got I actually get this one because it's a trick question. The Blues Brothers, Tony Bennett, Whitney Houston, or Britney Spears? Say give me the choices again. The Blues Brothers, Tony Bennett, Whitney Houston, or Britney Spears? You say trick question, so I'm thinking. All right, so trick question could either mean Britney Spears performed, but she she did lip syncing, so, <laughs> but she still uh, performed. So no, so I don't know the Blues Brothers. No, they they did. Whitney Houston only did the Star Spangled Banner. That's what she's so uh, famous for. But that was at the opening, not at the halftime show. So she never had her own halftime show. Yeah, shout out for Whitney Houston though. By the way, like I don't know if you ever followed her back in the. My dad was a huge Whitney Houston fan. Um, and we always used to, when we'd watch live performances, we always used to comment, he and I, on how her her lip would always sweat while she was performing. It was it was always the craziest thing. She just put like 150% into performances. And just we always used to notice, like, oh, my God, she's working so hard, her lip is sweating. Or that could, she just could have a, a condition. Who knows? Or had a condition, <laughs> I should say. Oh, my goodness. Um has any Super Bowl halftime show been produced with 3D effects? Uh, probably, yes. You got bonus point for the year. <laughs> 2020? 
1989, what? NBC's Bob Costas introduced the halftime show on the air, which included a 3D commercial and computer-generated 3D effects during the show. That must have looked horrible. Yeah, um, it was probably like Max Hedrum. <laughs> Do you remember him? Ma, 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 no. Max. You don't know Max Hedrum? No. Oh, did you? You saw Back to the Future too, right? Yeah. In the future, yeah, when they would have like Ronald Reagan and like on the screen, oh. that was like Max Hedrum was a character. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I still got um, points for that. <laughs> in which year did the famous Janet Jackson wardrobe oh. malfunction occur? Two thousand two, two thousand eight, two thousand six, or two thousand four? Two thousand four. I'm gonna say. Nice, ding, ding, ding. That's yeah. right. Amazing. First what thing I thought. The, yeah. What did the band U2 do in remembrance of the 9-11 terrorist attack in their 2002 halftime show performance? Did they, uh, did the band have a scrolling banner behind them that listed the names of the victims? Did the band, did, did the band leave flowers on the stage after the show? Uh, did they write and perform a song dedicated to the victims? Or were the band members all, uh, wearing black armbands? Oh, I could see the armbands. I'm going to say scrolling names, though. Yep. Scrolling names, ding, ding, ding. 3,000 names. Incredible. Well done. Apropos. Um, when did Disney produce their first Super Bowl halftime show? Was it 1980, 1975, 1977, or 1970? Give me the years again. Uh, 1980, 1975, 1977, or 1970? 80. Let's see. 1977. Oh, seven. 1977. Oh, 1977. Um, Disney also produced shows in 84, 87, 91, 95, and 2000. Does that mean that they were Disney songs? Like, I don't know. I'd be interested. I have no idea. Um, true or false? Sir, Sir Paul McCartney was the first ex-Beatle who performed in a Super Bowl halftime show. Must be true, right? Right. So I'm going to say false. Oh, no, I wasn't leading you in any direction. I was just <laughs> saying, like, Lennon would have never done that, and they wouldn't have had Ringo like, or Harrison. Wait, so what's the answer? True. Yeah, oh, he true. Was the, okay. He was the first person. He's well, it was the too obvious. I know, but it yeah. was too obvious. Yeah, but um, I could see Ringo being on stage with another band. You know what I mean? Yeah, like them, they bring him out or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. In- interestingly, uh, it wasn't until 2005. Uh, and, he, and he sang a bunch of Beatles stuff. Yeah. Um, He's great. Which of, the, which of the following comedians has never been featured in a Super Bowl halftime show? Uh, Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, John Belushi, or George Burns? Going to say Adam Sandler. This is another loaded question because they we found out earlier that the Blues Brothers performed in the halftime show, and I mentioned John Belushi here, and it's John Belushi. I guess he had already passed by the time that the Blues Brothers Oh, it was Brothers probably performed. the Blues Brothers with James Belushi. Right, right. With uh, Dan Eckert wow. and James Belushi. Got it. Well, there's been a lot All of right, iterations. Then Dan Goodman. Not uh, John, John Goodman, Goodman, I should say, John not Goodman. Dan Goodman. Dan is his character on Roseanne. I mean, they're 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 really good. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. Um. So, uh, last question for all the points: Which song did Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers not perform at the 2008 Super Bowl halftime show? Was it "Don't Do Me Like That," "American Girl," "Won't Back Down," or "Free Fallen"? I feel like it's going to be free-falling, even though that should have been performed. I'm going to say free-falling. No, it's don't do me like that, uh, George. Don't do me like that. I didn't even know that was Don't them, do me like that, honest. Dave. That, <laughs> I didn't know that was them, to be honest. That's a weird song for them. I always think of them as much more dramatic than don't do me like that. Wow. All right. Well, I did pretty good. No, you did great. Yeah. And I love that stuff. That was interesting. Sick. All right, we did it. So uh, what's coming up here? We got the Super Bowl this weekend. I'll be watching um, quietly. I'm going to make one of my big monster heroes. So something, a little fun fact that you guys might not know about George. I worked in a deli when I was a kid from the age of 12, maybe 11, by the way. Way too young to work. But um, all the way through college, I uh, was there for like 10 years. So I am a, a sandwich aficionado and... On years where we have people over, I buy the six-foot bread myself, and I just ah. make the thing. 
yeah, I got a killer recipe for an Italian hero, and then I make crazy ones. I'll normally make two heroes, two six-footers, and I'll, like, do half on each. So I'll do, you know, half Italian, half American uh, on one. That's that's the, the mainstay. But then I'll do other ones, like a Sicilian, which is uh, uh-huh. do, like, fried chicken cutlet with pepperoni and mozzarella on it. Um, and I do this other one that's, like, a heart attack. I'll do – it's, like, pastrami – with um, pastrami with fries on it. I'll do like um, Kentucky Fried Chicken potato wedges on there with like melted cheese and all this other kind of stuff. So yeah, we do some crazy stuff. Amazing. All right, I'm gonna go have early. I'm gonna go have early lunch about that. Uh, And and yeah, we'll probably review. We'll probably review the Super Bowl halftime show and the commercials and not the game on my end at least. Yes. And we'll probably have our segment Dads on the Streets, which I accidentally deleted before this. So awesome. All right, right, man. See See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the show, guys. The Over My Dad podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios. Executive produced by Dave Thompson and George Andriopoulos. Theme song by Particle House featuring Ryan Gilmore. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. Over My Dad podcast is hosted with Podbean. Catch us every other Wednesday morning on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and everywhere podcasts are available. And please do not forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Over My Dad Podcast and on Twitter at Over My Dad Pod CST. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available. And guys, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Please be nice to us. Visit our website and follow all the great podcasts produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Later, guys.